Thank you so much. We appreciate that. I neglected to announce that there is a nursery workers meeting today, right after the service, and that will be actually in the nursery. So go out those doors and you take a right, look for Regina, and she will take care of you there. So if you're interested in working in the nursery ministry or you let us know that, there will be a quick meeting right after service. Okay, great. Do we have our Bibles today? Okay, good. Going to work for it. This is awesome. All right. Wow. Uh, we're going to continue our series that we started a number of weeks ago. In the beginning of June, we actually started this. And the name of this series is I'm In. I'm In. And we've taken some, uh, uh, kind of a play on the word in, and we've talked about all that we are in Jesus Christ, uh, starting with those two letters, in. And we've talked about things like uh, I'm invaluable, I'm invested, uh, Today, I would like to share a message from Romans chapter 8. So if you'd like to turn there, I'd like to speak on this subject. I'm inseparable. I'm inseparable. Pastor, how many I-N words can you come up with for a sermon? Oh, you should see what made the cutting room floor. I'm inseparable. Not insufferable. <laughs> That's another sermon. Uh, I'm inseparable. We're about to read this truth. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our song service today was very deliberate to go with our uh, message today. Uh, we uh, chose songs that dealt with the love of God for us. And uh, again, that's very deliberate because I want us to be reminded today that I cannot be separated from God's love ever. Uh, love is a funny word in our 21st century American vernacular. We could say, oh, I love him. And then, I love donuts. <laughs> okay. And she's like, really? Yeah. Uh, with, with the same, or, or I love this one because it's always on social media. I'm in love with this person this week. And, you know, it's like, Wow. Really, what's, what are we talking about? And, and the scripture actually has, uh, in case you don't know, the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. And so there are a lot of Greek words that describe love. And uh, there is the, uh, the word phileo, which means a brotherly love. That's why Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love, even though they booed Santa Claus one time. Uh, I'm not kidding. Uh, and then there is eros love, which is kind of an erotic uh, type of expression. But what we're going to talk about is the agape, the word agape, love. It's a love that is God-like, that is Christ-like. 
And there is nothing that shall separate me from that agape love that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So let's read about it, and then we'll elaborate some more. If you're able to stand with me in honor of God's word, why don't we do that together? Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35, and we're going to go down to verse 39 today. Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 35, and we're going to go to verse 39. And this morning, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today, so it might be a little bit different than what you're used to. Here's what it says. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Verse 37 says, no, despite all things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm inseparable from the love of God. Let's pray. Jesus, would you speak to us today in a, in a way that we all need? God, different ones of us, we come in here with uh, different experiences, different journeys. But Lord, you're the same God who meets us all. And I pray that you would touch us right where we're at. And may your word come alive to us today. And oh Lord, I'll thank you for all that you do. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for what's done in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. I'm inseparable. Now, I look around, and for the most part, we have a number of people that have been to church before here today. Uh, People maybe like me who grew up in church. You've been around God for a while. Others of you, you're still kind of new to this thing. But I think for all of us, regardless of where we're at in our spiritual journeys, here's what we can understand is that oftentimes the enemy of our souls will try to use some things to cause us or at least to attempt to cause us to doubt God's love for us. I've spoken to uh, uh, people who have follow Jesus for quite some time, and there comes a point where they actually, they doubt that Jesus actually loves them anymore, or wonder if he ever did. And I'm reminded today that when we know the truth, last week, remember that? When we said, I'm independent, we shall know the truth, and the truth will set us free. So, When these lies come into our spirits and into our heads, 
we need to equip ourselves with what the Bible has to say because there is no source of truth greater than God's word. And so I've identified from the scripture that we just read, there are some things that come up in our lives that we allow to question the Lord's love for us. And Paul, as he's writing to the Roman church, he, he brings these up. Could it be that the Holy Spirit had enough foresight to know that 2,000 plus years later, that there possibly could be some situations where people would experience the very things that Paul talked about and they would use that as a question as to whether God really loved them or not. And I'd like to identify those today. I think this can help us. First of all, sometimes we allow our problems to cause us to doubt God's love for us. How many of you know life gets messy sometimes? Yeah? Uh, How many of you know that sometimes life gets difficult and we go through crisis moments? Maybe you're in one right now. Paul talked about this in verse 35. Look again at what it said. He says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? You see, I've met a lot of people where their knee-jerk reaction, as soon as a crisis comes, well, God must not love me. Or this is obviously a sign that God doesn't care for me. This is obviously a sign that I've done something wrong and so now God's out to get me. Have you said that one before or heard that one before? And I just need to tell you, God does not operate that way. Not at all. And I don't enjoy painful moments when they come. I don't enjoy problems. I don't enjoy having difficulties in my life. Nobody in here does. But here's the question to ask. Why are we so quick to doubt God's love when we face troubles? For some people, that's the first reaction that they have. I'm facing a problem. Oh, well, well, obviously God doesn't love me. Or God doesn't care. So why am I going through this trial? How can God still love me if I'm going through this problem? See, I would tell you that going through a problem is not a sign that God loves you less. I would say going through a problem is actually a sign that God believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Let me try this side. When when we go through troubles, it's not... (laughs) When we go through troubles, it's not a sign that God loves us less. Actually, I believe it's a sign that God believes in us more. God knows your limit. He does. And he knows what you can do and what you can't do. In fact, I will go as far as to say that God actually uses these painful moments, these problems, these trials to our advantage. How, pastor? Well, look at the book of James, chapter 1. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. 
Okay, let's pause there. All right? This just sounds goofy, doesn't it? I mean, on the surface. It's like, oh, I'm going through a trail. Woo! Yay! Let's, let's post about this on Facebook. And why? Why? Are we supposed to be like gluttons for punishment? No. James continues. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking, not lacking, anything. See, dare I say, the very thing that you are hoping goes away, God might be using to refine you. God may use this. Now, I'm not saying that God is the one that makes us sick. And I'm not saying that God is the one that causes people to treat us badly. I do believe that there's an enemy at work. But here's the deal. We just sang, you are my king. God is so sovereign. God is so in control. He could take these moments that the enemy tries to use against us and actually use those moments to cause us to grow and mature and to be complete, not lacking anything. You've heard the old saying that how does a diamond become a diamond? You take a lump of coal. I'm not calling you a lump of coal. But you take <laughs> you lump, but but you take a lump of coal and eventually that lump of coal is going to become a diamond. How how does that lump of coal become the strongest rock imaginable. How, how does that take place? Pressure. Pressure. And the more pressure that that piece of coal goes through, the stronger, not calloused, but the stronger. Because a difference, there's a difference between becoming stronger and becoming calloused. You become stronger. And stronger yet, until finally, after all that pressure, you are not the same lump that you were before. You're not the same person that you were before. You are stronger. So what's my response when I go through trials, Pastor? See, because some people, they will use a trial, or I've heard it. They, they will use a trial. They will use a, a, a difficult time. They will use a problem as a, a reason or an excuse, I will say, to kind of take a time out from God, take a time out from church, take a time out from all your Christian friends, take a time out from doing anything for the Lord. But Peter says this in 1 Peter 4.19. He says, so then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and, look at the end of that, and continue to do good. Peter is literally talking to a group of people who were going through a lot of trouble in their decision to follow Jesus. And Peter said, stay true, stay devoted to God, keep doing good. Don't change. May I tell you that the Lord might actually be able to work through your weakness just as powerfully as he can work through your strength. Should I say that one more time? Because some of us in here think that we're damaged goods. You're not. 
God can actually use your weakness. God can actually use your problem and your difficulty in such a way that you can bless somebody else through that weak time in your life. Sometimes we allow the problems of life to cause us to doubt God's love for us. And, and Paul says here, no, no, don't, don't allow that to cause you to question God's love. But secondly, not only do we allow problems to step in, but we also allow something called persecution. Persecution. Where we are persecuted for our faith in Jesus. <laughs> now, I'm going to read this verse, and then I'm going to tell you how the Roman Christians were persecuted that very well may pale in comparison to how you are being persecuted for your faith. I don't want to belittle it, but it'd be healthy for us to understand whom Paul is speaking to. First, he says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or we're hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death, threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Did you know, did you know that the Christians whom Paul is speaking to were facing such heavy persecution from the Roman government? Some would have an animal skin or a carcass glued onto their bodies and then be sent into the woods for some kind of predator to attack them so they would die a very slow, very miserable death. May I remind you that Nero uh, had a candle collection which was not really like you would see at Yankee Candle. Uh, he would actually have Christians as human torches in his uh, courtyard. We know about how Christians were sent to the lions and, 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 and things like that. that that's persecution. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we know in 21st century, right now, that there are still people groups who are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. There are, an enti- there are families, there, there are entire cultures that have been banished from countries like Syria simply because they are Christians. Uh, there are uh, people who are imprisoned simply for meeting together as a church like we are right now. That's persecution. Now, I understand that there might come a time where you are belittled because of your faith in Jesus. And yes, I'm willing to call that persecution. But at the same time, folks, can we quit acting like that we are martyrs because somebody made fun of us because we had a Christian bumper sticker on our car? That pales in comparison to what's happening on the other side of the world right now. But on the flip side, 
Maybe for you, you're not being sent to the lions, <laughs> you're not being threatened with death, but it is a constant battle at home or at work or amongst your friends because you are the only believer in that house, in that workplace, in that situation, in that classroom. And you're wondering, how, how is it really worth it? And simply put, we are going to face ridicule for our faith in Jesus. In fact, I'll go this far that if you don't face ridicule for your faith in Jesus, you might not be doing this right. We're going to be ridiculed. We're going to be belittled. It's not too hard for that to take place now. Not in this culture. This is a very anti-God culture that we're dealing with right now. Jesus said this in John 15, 20. He said, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. That's Jesus. See, this has nothing to do with Jesus' love for you at all. This really has everything to do with my passion for Jesus Christ. If I'm serious about this stuff, I will face ridicule for it. But that should not cause me to doubt my love for Jesus. Paul said this to a young pastor by the name of Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. He said, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's exciting, isn't it? Okay, read that again. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You can either run from that or you could wear it as a badge of honor. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14 says, If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you're being persecuted for your faith, if you're being belittled because you follow Jesus Christ, if, if you are being made fun of because you stand with what God's word says in a culture that is anything but what God's word says, in a culture that is allowing things right now in our schools and in our government and in our systems right now that is so contrary to what God's word has to say, if you are belittled for that, then you are actually a blessed child of God. You're doing it right. Don't let that cause you. Yeah, I know it can can make you weak. I know it can be frustrating. But don't let that cause you to doubt the love of God because you're facing it. Problems sometimes will cause us to doubt God's love. Persecution will sometimes cause us to doubt God's love. Number three, I've only got four today. Number three, uh, I've chosen this word, the word panic. Panic is actually how we respond to the problems and the trials and the persecutions that we have. Look, look what Paul says in verse 38. He gets real specific. He says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. Look what I underlined. Neither our fears for today 
or our worries about tomorrow. Let me read that again. Neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Sometimes we worry. Sometimes we're fearful. We're concerned about how we're going to pay the bills. How are things going to take place in the next day or week or month? How's this going to happen? And what can happen? This can play a head game with us, and our fear can turn into doubt of the very love of Jesus. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Well, this is how I feel, Pastor. And I can't get past how I feel. I feel like God's abandoned me. I feel like he doesn't care about me. I feel like he doesn't love me. I feel like he doesn't even answer my prayers. In fact, I feel like he doesn't even hear my prayers. Let me give you a piece of, of advice. Just because we feel a certain way doesn't mean God is a certain way. Let me say that again. Just because we feel a certain way, it does not mean that God is a certain way. If we, if we try to serve God with our feelings, we're going to have the biggest roller coaster relationship we've ever had. Because sometimes we're feeling really good. Sometimes we're feeling kind of sad. Sometimes we're feeling strong about something, and then sometimes not so much. I've seen people, they have been so passionate about something, and then a month later, not really. How many of you go in phases at your house? Right? We're, okay, we're, we're going to eat at this place every day right? Because we love it. And then like three weeks later, I don't want to even go back to that place anymore. What happens? What happens? It's all about feeling. It's all about feeling. As the scripture says, it's more than a feeling. (laughs) Scripture doesn't say that. That's actually an old Boston song. But anyway, but (laughs) just see if you're listening. But because I feel a certain way doesn't mean that God is that way. I cannot be governed by my feelings. I got to be governed by what God's word has to say. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear. If you're worried about tomorrow, it's not a sign that God has stopped loving you. If you have concerns about how you're going to get out of the situation that you're getting into, please understand that God has not stopped loving you one bit. And then finally today, Paul tells us that not even incredible powers can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 38 and 39, the last two verses we read says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell 
can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know the scripture? This, this scripture shows us the, the total supremacy of God's love. I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again for this, for this moment. God's love is the most consistent and important thing for you to understand because there is nothing you can do to, to cause God's love to lessen for you, to decrease for you. But at the same time, there's nothing you can do to cause God's love to increase for you either. So to those of you who think that you have to do this to win God's love and you have to do that to win God's love, you've got that wrong too. Some people think that God is kind of standing in heaven with a marker board and it's like, oh, she sped in a school zone. Let's erase her. Gone to hell. And I don't think that's the way God acts. But God also doesn't say, oh, wow, he preached a good one today. I love him more. May I tell you that God loves Phil Anderson just as much as he loved Billy Graham. May I tell you that God loves you just as much as he loves the person next to you. May I tell you that God loves you just as much as the vilest sinner that you can think of. He loves you. And if we begin to see people that way, that will change us radically for the Lord. John 15 verse 9 says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. I want you to see this. Understand this. There is nothing. Ready? There's nothing you can do. There's nothing anyone else can do. There is nothing Satan can do to separate you from God's love for you. Supernatural powers, can't do it. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I just want you to know today that there's been anything that has caused you to doubt this incredible love that God has for you, there is nothing. There's no problem. There's no persecution. There's no feeling of panic on your part. There's no power that can cause God to stop loving you less. And that's why, that's why Paul was able to say in verse 37 of Romans 8, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. We are more than conquerors. Give God praise. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Nothing can separate you. Jonathan, if you can help me on the, on the guitar, I appreciate that. Oh, the scripture is so full of verses that talk about God's love for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's no greater act of love for God so loved the world. John 3.16 says that he gave his only begotten son. 
that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The foundation of our life is built on the love that Jesus has for you. Jesus died on a cross that was meant for me, out of his love for me, not out of obligation, not not because he had to, but he loved me enough to save me and took my punishment for my sin. There's no greater expression of God's love for you on the cross, but it continues even today. Today, if you've doubted his love at all, please know, friend, regardless of your baggage, regardless of your past, regardless of your actions, good or bad, nothing will separate you from God's love for you. Can we pray? Can we pray? I wondered today, is there anyone here today or even online? You'll say, Pastor, I need his forgiveness. You see, friend, he died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to. He took the punishment of our sin so that you wouldn't have to. That's love. That's love. Have you given your life to Jesus today? Or maybe you've done so before, but you're not serving him now. And you're not in a right relationship with him now. Then can I tell you the greatest decision you can make today is to surrender your life completely to Jesus and make him your Lord and your Savior. And if you'll say, Pastor, I need that. I need to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. I will not embarrass you. I just want you to slip your hand up and put it right back down so I can pray for you. Do you need that today? I need to get right with God. I need him as my Savior or I need to recommit my life completely to Jesus Christ. If that's you, slip your hand up right now. I want to pray for you. You can put it right back down. Then can I ask a bunch of followers of Jesus today? Are you at a place where the enemy of your soul has tried to fill your heart and your mind with some lies to cause you to doubt or maybe question God's love for you? Today, could I could I beg of you? Could I beg of you to go to the Lord in prayer before you leave this place and say, Jesus, thank you for your love. Help me not to doubt it. Help me to know that nothing will separate me from it. And if you could have that conversation with the Lord, then watch. Watch how you respond to the trials that you face. Watch how you respond to the worries and the concerns of life. Watch how you respond when life gets messy. Because when you know that God never stopped loving you, that makes all the difference. So I want to give you a chance when we say the final amen here for you to spend some time in prayer to make a a place to pray to the Lord here this morning. So let's all stand. Can we do that? I'm going to pray. And if you need to go to the Lord in prayer, would you do that before you leave here? He loves you, friend. He really does. He loves you more than you'll ever know. So Jesus... These next few moments, I pray that people would be reminded once again 
of your great love for us. Jesus, we've sung about it, we've heard about it, but now, Lord, we receive that. And may we know, may we know that there's no power in hell, there's no feeling that I can have, there's no difficulty in life that will cause me to say, I doubt God's love. Lord, thank you that I am inseparable from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, help us to walk in that and rest in that this entire week. And we'll thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need to pray, do so right now. If God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless.